Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. I'm your host, Duncan Samrasinger, and today I have the great pleasure of having Georgie with me. Georgie is um, diagnosed schizophrenic from Australia. So welcome, Georgie. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I just remember I didn't ask you your age or your location, but we'll stick with Australia and you don't have to tell me your age, it's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, let's just uh, let's start. So the first question, I want you to give me a history of your mental health journey. Okay. Um, so just talk about it freely. Um, you can start as young as you want and include anything that you feel is relevant. Um, if I if I find something that I want to ask a question about, I may interrupt you and ask a question, um, and we'll see how we go. So it's, now it's over to you. Okay. I guess I was a depressed child. I, I, I can look back now and see myself as a child feeling depression. Um, I was an anorexic teenager um, in the 80s, which meant that there was sort of no recognition of eating disorders back then. Um, depression and anxiety and anorexia followed me through into my 20s. Um, at, I always found drugs and alcohol really attractive. Um, from from a young age, I was really attracted to marijuana um, and alcohol. And in my 20s, um, I was um, very much involved in the party scene in Melbourne in the 90s. So then, And I took drugs, alcohol and partying really seriously. Um, I was hospitalised with anorexia when I was 26 years old. Um, there wasn't a lot of awareness around um, eating disorders back then. And the treatment that I received in a psychiatric hospital was so traumatising that I decided that I would never try and starve myself again. So in a way, I sort of left anorexia behind, um, but I was still using drugs. I was still suffering from depression and anxiety. Um, I um, started using heroin in in my late twenties. I did that for two and a half years, and went into treatment. Um, I went to, there wasn't, in Melbourne, there wasn't really a lot of drug rehabs. Um, so um, I started going to Narcotics Anonymous and seeing a psychiatrist. And it yeah. took me about a year to recover from that and return to work and to feel normal again. Um so that was really difficult. Um, so, so, so what, what year was that? Was that in the nineties? Um, 
it was in the, actually I recovered at 2000. I um, felt like I had recovered from drug addiction. Um, I was still socially drinking, but um, mm-hmm. there was a big, there's a big culture of binge drinking in yeah, the city. I, I, yeah, I'm, I was just going to say that I, I think I'm a similar age to you. And, yeah. Um, so around that time, I, you know, there was a culture of binge drinking in the UK as well. Yeah. Um, it was kind of pre-internet, wasn't it? And, there, you know, it was much more, I know in the UK we had the laddish culture and I, I was go drinking on the weekends and, and that sort of thing, partying. It was a much more of a culture than it is now where, you know, folk, young folks seem quite introverted and on the internet all the time. Um, you, you don't see it now. Like the, the culture yeah. around alcohol has really changed in, in Australia, um, mm. leading towards a much sort of – people are definitely drinking, but it's a lot more moderated in moderation um, yeah. and around food. And restaurants and bars rather than um, nightclubs and pubs. Yeah. yeah. Really I, I think it's connected connected to the internet, you know. Could um, be. It's just like you, you get the young, like the Gen Zs, they're like, you know, making TikTok videos and on Instagram, this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, So Whereas you carry I, on, carry, yeah, go on, carry on. I want you to carry on with your story and, and tell me what happened. Well, I was probably a year um, clean from using drugs mm. and I met my ex-husband. Mm. Um, he was, like, I can look back at it now and say he, he was definitely had an alcohol problem when I met him. Yeah. Um, we both did. Um but but in the society we were living in, it wasn't society wasn't telling us that we had a drinking problem. It was just social. So I, 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 I think I think as you go back, what is considered a drinking problem gets harder and harder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like, like today, if you post a couple of beers on the internet, people think you're an alcoholic. But back then, it was more real. I think. Um, you know, I, I get, that's what I, I reckon. Um, yeah, but I was on the same token, I was still very functional. Like, um, I was running a business, um, had employees and customers. Um, so, um, I thought I was, you know, kicking goals, I suppose, but I can look back at it now and see that I was drinking too much. And I, I, in, in essence, I've got a, a long history of medicating depression and anxiety. It's interesting that you said you're a depressed child because I, I can relate to that. Um, because I felt, I remember going to my mother and say, I, I said, I feel depressed. And she said, you're too young to be depressed. Um, but that was as a child, you know. Um, so I can I can relate to that as because I I think that is the, the general thinking is depression is something about adulthood not childhood. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I was um, 
I felt awkward, uncertain and unhappy. Mm. Um, I felt very different. But I suppose most teenagers feel different. Um, it's that that age group. But um, it wasn't until um, me trying to recover from drug use was I prescribed any and anti um, depressants. So when did the psychosis start? Um, I had, I guess I, my marriage was falling apart. I was married for 10 years. Mm. Um, I had a chronic pain condition, so I was pretty much bedridden for about two years. Um, I had multiple surgeries to overcome this condition and I had been abusing um, prescription medication. Um, Back then, you could buy codeine over the counter in in Australia. You can't do that anymore because of people like me who were abusing codeine. Um, And I basically rendered myself with something similar to a heroin addiction. Okay. I went and did a detox at a rehab for my codeine addiction. Um, I was depressed. I was insane after all the surgery. Um, My marriage was falling apart. And I decided that suicide would be the best way to deal with my, my situation. So I went and bought um, a whole lot of heroin and tried to overdose. Um, I had, um, I guess you could say, uh, like 10 years later, the death, I guess you could say that I had, like I thought I'd had a new death experience. Okay. You know, that, that's something uh, that, you know, I, I'm very interested in near death experiences. I, yeah, I it watch is... a lot a lot of them on YouTube. Do you? Yeah, I um, do actually, it, yeah. I um I, I've read a lot about other people's near death experiences and never found anything close to, to my personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess I, I, I took a lot of heroin mm. and expected to pass out. Uh, and I didn't pass out. Um, something went. Something felt terribly wrong, mm. and I felt myself being dragged out of my body. Um, and yeah. I went. I, I thought I was seeing all, all these sort of. It's quite cliche, but I felt like I was moving through a cloud that the sun was shining on. Yeah. Um. And thinking the whole time that this is wrong, I should be passing out and feeling euphoria. Uh, uh. But um, so I had, I don't actually remember a a lot of the time that I was actually out. Mm -hmm. Um, I was taken to the edge of the universe and I was looking back 
what I thought were two solar systems. I was looking at the solar system that was planet Earth and the solar system that was next to us. Um, I thought it was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. Um, And I felt, I didn't feel alone. Like I felt like there was another being with me. Um, And then I remember being returned to my body um, against my will. Um, and I was squashed back into my, forced back into my body, into my body. And I heard a voice say, you're not finished yet. Yeah. And I was really upset and angry about being returned to my life. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, Georgie, that, I, that does ring true to me, you know, from what you said, you know, that. You know, I, I, I've seen the, uh, NDEs where they talk about being in space and this sort of thing. And and also the squash, being squashed back into the body. I know from what I've heard that it's supposed to be quite a tough experience. It isn't nice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and the fact that you were so miffed that you had to come back to life. Yeah. You know? I was really angry about being forced to be returned to my life. <laughs> yeah. I was angry. I was angry about that for a couple of years. Mm. Um, so I woke up from from my overdose attempt in a, psych, a public psychiatric hospital, which is a really cruel awakening. Mm. Um, I started hearing these instructions about telling me not to argue with people and just do what I'm told um, and just follow direction and, and, and in time, everything will come to surface. Um, Is that and hallucination? The, I don't think it was. Um, I thought it was instructions. Um, but if I From started... From the other side? Ha- yeah. Yeah. If if it was to happen to me today, I would go. Yeah. All right, I'm becoming delusional, mm. um, or or I feel like I've I've got intrusive thoughts. Mm. Um, so I managed to get my ex husband out of my life. He he'd been diagnosed with bipolar, mm. and I didn't understand what a serious diagnosis bipolar is. I thought it was something like ADHD, like, um, so it was really difficult for him to get him to exit my life. Um, and I found myself living in this beautiful house that we had rented together and it had this big overgrown, um, old established garden in it. And it, it was very reclusive house in the middle of the city. Um, and I started feeling like I was getting instructions to start meditating. Um, and so I looked on YouTube for guided meditations. Um, and I spent, like, I was really traumatized in that situation and it was incredibly stressful 
Um, I had a friend who had committed suicide. Um, I, my marriage, like my, my husband was incredibly difficult and my father was diagnosed with liver cancer and all, all these horrible life events seemed to be jammed into to one particular time for me. Um, so I was sort of suffering from PTSD and I, um, I was advised to meditate rather than take mm -hmm. medication. So I was meditating for maybe an hour and a half, two hours a day for a year and a half, um, opening my chakras um, one by one. And it was a very profound experience. Um, it was quite difficult. It wasn't easy. Um, like I felt like it had completely altered my energy. Um, like you, yeah, you, you hear about people talking about being connected to universal energy. And mm -hmm. I think that's what happened to me. I, I felt incredibly connected to the universe. Um, I felt big in the universe. Um, I thought my chakras were massive. Um, so what I thought was, you know, a mindfulness practice sort of consumed my life, I guess. Um, it took, it took a year and a half of meditating to open my chakras and I did that without any guidance. Mm -hmm. I was just listening to gu um, guided meditations on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, it was after all my chakras opened that I guess I started hearing voices. Well, what year was this? Um, it was about 2014. 2015 and okay because you know in terms of chakras um i i read about it but i i've never gone any deeper than that um but i do relate to the feeling of being connected with your surroundings and with nature i i relate to that but i've never tried to do anything with my chakras um but I wouldn't advise that you do that. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually very dangerous. Mm. Um, so what I thought I was experiencing was called, it's called a Kundalini awakening. Um, and that involves chakras and a snake that yeah. is connected to your spine. And that snake is very real. Um, mm. There's a, a, a thing called Kundalini psychosis. Mm. Um, and I could say that that's what I was having. Um, so after I opened my chakras, I sort of started um, playing around with crystal pendulums. Um, and I found that I could really swing those things like a helicopter. Was that without touch or? 
Yeah, without movement. Um, I'd always had a, a deck of tarot cards mm. and, like, you can't really communicate with tarot cards, but I started trying to do that or trying to predict the future because mm. I thought I was on a pathway to become psychic. Mm. Um, so the voices that I started hearing first came to me through automatic writing. Mm. They would just move my hand. Um, so it all happened really slowly that I was all of a sudden communicating with what I thought were beings in another dimension. And yeah. it, did, 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 did it lead to some sort of psychiatric um, evaluation or sectioning or something? Well, because I'd had the near-death experience mm. and crossed and crossed over in, into mm. a different realm, mm. um, communicating with beings in a different realm didn't seem unbelievable unusual. to me. Yeah, mm. It was unusual, yes, but believable. So um, the, these these entities didn't they communicate directly through my body like through and use my throat to speak to me in different voices um that i can't produce yeah. um and i was living in this house alone um communicating and talking to these beings um for too long, um, they convinced me that I was in reincarnation um, and I had chosen this life before I became me um, and they convinced me that certain people in my life were also in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. um, I started using drugs again mm -hmm. um, and I went to rehab for that pretty quickly um, and they convinced me that I was going through re drug recovery um, with other people that were going through the same experience but no one was communicating about it. So. Um... When you look back now, do you feel it was a delusion? I I flip flop between mm. like I've recorded my made videos of myself um, communicating with these beings, mm. um, just to try and um, ascertain whether or not it's a hallucination because um, they can alter my face, okay. um, so. It's difficult. It's really difficult um, for me to accept that they were hallucinations, that in some way <laughs> were yeah. related to my mind. Like, yeah, I know. I, 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 kind of know where you're going. It's like, um, is is all my uh, hallucinatory experiences just a figment of my imagination? It doesn't. It doesn't 
I don't, I don't accept that either. I, don't, it, I simply it, don't it, accept uh, it. Like, I, I've come to terms with it. It's not about imagination. Mm. Um, so I, I, like, I think that these voices drove me into a psychosis. Mm. Um, and I can accept that my experience with them resulted in very bad and poor mental health. Mm. Um, because I was, because they were talking directly through me, I didn't think about hearing voices as such hmm. because they were so physical. Um, Have you, um, there's a, there's a very famous ghost story, um, in London in the 1970s called the Enfield Haunting. Um, and it was a poltergeist, but, um, and it, and it, and the, the main character was a young girl in the house and and the ghost would speak through her using her vocal cords mm -hmm. um, so she would make a deep sound in her voice and that would be the entity speaking um, mm -hmm. and and they said they did all sorts of tests and they said you know you can't you can't sustain that 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 vocal cord stimulation by yourself without you getting a serious damage to your throat you know, it was, it was, they did lots of tests and, and, you know, people, you always get people who don't believe it, but I've, I've seen, I've read the books about it. I've seen documentaries and it's pretty convincing, I would say. So that, that's what, that's what I thought about when you said it's using your voice. Yeah. Because, um, this is what happened in the, you can look it up, look it up afterwards. The Enfield haunting. What's um, it called? And, and Enfield, E N. Um, F I E L D haunting. Okay. So it's it, it's a it's a very it's quite a scary um, ghost ghost uh, event that happened in the seventies. Okay. Um, so Georgia, I think we're coming up to time here. I don't I don't want okay. us to go on too far. I think um, would you like to come back for part two and we can talk more? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. I would love that. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll schedule that in later. Um, you know, it's an absolute pleasure having you on, Georgia. What I always do is I add music on the episode. Is there any particular type of type of music? You know, like a genre, uh, and I'll add it on. Um, I actually am going through an experience where I'm not listening to music at all <laughs> because because my voices will sing mm. along or it'll be repeated to me for weeks and weeks okay so i'm not adding that you don't want to... you don't want any music <laughs> yeah. I'll, see, okay? I'll see if i can find <laughs> some maybe i'll put some white noise on or something like that okay um, yeah okay cool. okay cool absolute pleasure to speak to you, you georgie too. um and uh you know I'll, me I'll message you on the forum and we can schedule another recording in okay that'd be great Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.